Christmas, my seminary life family. Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, Happy Kwanzaa, and to all you Seinfeld fans out there, Happy Festivus. And if I forgot anybody, I do apologize, but happy, happy, happy holidays to you all, whatever you may be celebrating. And welcome to the first annual, because that's how it works, first annual My Seminary Life year-end holiday party. Thank you all for joining me on this episode. It's kind of weird recording an episode that's not on a Saturday morning, but hey, this is when I had time to record it. So, thank you for coming Coming? Yeah, yeah, it's a party. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thank you for joining me on this journey up, up until this point right now. I appreciate you all so, so much. Before we jump into today's Christmas party extravaganza, I do want to say take a moment, get some eggnog ready, grab a hot chocolate, maybe a candy cane, get your fireplace going, or pull up a Yule log up on Netflix, get cozy. Because for the next however long this party goes, and I'm so introverted that can't be for so long, however long this party goes, we're just going to have an enjoyable end of the year wrap up, looking forward to the next year, what we're going to be doing. There's going to be presents, there's going to be holiday stories, it's going to be a great old time. So to kick things off, I want to stand here before you all today and say... Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of you who have been dropping in week after week after week. We just hit episode 35 last week. There was a point in the summer where I was going to pull the plug and call it quits, and I'm so glad I didn't. It's a lot of work to run a podcast by yourself, but I have had a lot of fun doing it. I think it has helped me grow. It's helped me be more accountable. And it's been so fun to have conversations with a lot of you, either in person or online, about the show and what's going on here. So thank you, whether you've just dropped in for the very first time, or you jumped in during Discipleship Methods, or you were here day one. Thank you all so much. A couple of specific people I want to say thank you to. First off, unofficial producer Bradley, thank you for helping getting this show started, to friend, pastor, boss, Scott, for letting me borrow his books and being a listening ear when I wanted to talk about the show or talk about what I'm learning about in school. As always, thank you to my wife, Claire, who is so supportive of every crazy idea I come up with. Thank you for all your love and support towards me, babe. Thank you to Joshua Knoll and also to Joe Dia. You might know them over at Systematic Ecology. Joe's also the guy who's getting Kingdom on the Road rebooted. These guys, they're podcast uh, experts. For sure, Joe is. Josh has been doing podcasting longer than me as well. They both really know what they're doing. And through, uh, through being on Systematic Ecology, they have done a lot of shepherding kind of like in discipleship methods. They've done a lot of discipling. They've done a lot of coaching to help encourage me along this path and to reassure me that this is something I'm pretty good at. So thank you to you both. I really appreciate the friendships that we have formed. And you know what the best part is? Josh, you came in at the right possible time because I was about ready to pull the plug on the show when you put out the message of, hey, would anybody like to start a geek Christian podcast with me? So part of the reason why this show kept going is because of you, bro. I appreciate you so much. Appreciate all of you so much to the uh, community that's forming on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, specifically, and this is very tender for me to say, specifically to my mother and to my brother, Brian, who both are very active on social media, liking, commenting, whatever it may be that I share. I appreciate that so much. Man, it's been a, it's been a fun year. So, moving on, I want to talk now. We're going to play a game. Because, you know, parties are great with games, right? Or games are great at parties, whichever. And we're going to play a game called Analytics. 
Because there's nothing more exciting on a podcast than listening to someone babble on about numbers. To be honest, when it comes to podcasting on my end, the analytical numbers are so addicting. Like, it's those first couple months, and it's constantly... I'm like checking the numbers, seeing how I'm doing, how, what's our downloads at, where are we at in the world, you know, all this type of stuff. It wears off eventually, and it's actually more fulfilling once it wears off because then I only check it like once a week, and I'm like, oh, hey, look at all this. Isn't that interesting? But we're going to talk a little bit about analytics because analytics is one of the few ways that I can actually kind of get to know my audience. It's only through analytics real-life conversations, and then social media that I kind of get a taste of what people are thinking and what people are enjoying about the show, and also, like, who is actually listening to the show. So looking at the analytics, this is all very interesting. Primarily, most of you are listening to the show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, or generically web browser, which I assume means you Google My Seminary Life, and then whichever thing pops up first, you just hit that and it plays off of the desktop, I guess is what that means. But that's where the people are primarily listening to the show, mostly Google Podcasts and Spotify. Anchor's another popular spot as well. Something else that's interesting in that is that Spotify sends additional analytics to me, and predominantly with the options being with the options being male, female, non-binary, and not specified, overwhelmingly the people listening on Spotify are male. And according to the age range demos, the overwhelming majority of people listening to this show on Spotify are in their 40s, which is actually a one of the most helpful pieces of information for me, obviously I don't know where everyone else on the other platforms are coming in at, but basically my audience on Spotify is 40-year-old men, which is fine given the subject matter. I'm not surprised by that, but I'm trying to make this show available for everybody. I just don't want it to be like, you know, the show that pastors listen to or you know, it's fine if pastors listen to the show. I'm just trying to bring seminary-level conversations available to everybody, make them available for everybody. So it's good to know that right now in Spotify, that's not necessarily happening. Although the next closest age range to that, that's, you know, like the next highest one, I should say, is like the 20-year-old college-age group. So that's good. That's good to know. All of that really interesting information aside, the most, I think, rewarding demographic, the most re rewarding analytical numbers that I have been getting in throughout the year is where in the world has my seminary life been streamed from? And it's so encouraging to me. Obviously, the majority of the streams are coming from the United States, obviously. But a big shout out and a big thank you to everyone who is living in Germany Canada, Indonesia, the Philippines, Great Britain, and New Zealand, who are all listening to the show or have checked it, checked it out at some point. Thank you for making My Seminary Life an internationally known podcast. Might not be very well known, but it's still internationally known. And what is why that is so awesome and why that gets me fired up so much is because I do not know if I will ever get to go to any of those countries and proclaim the gospel or teach or anything, but because of the power of the internet and podcasting, I am able to get good gospel teaching out to the ears of people that I may never meet this side of heaven, which is so awesome. So thank you to you all who have been dropping in from around the world to check out the show. Appreciate you all so much. One last bit in the analytics I want to talk about is that over on Facebook and on Instagram, I have been highlighting the top five most downloaded episodes of My Seminary Life, one each week throughout December. So far, we've had number five, the one about the Pacific Garden Mission. Number four, My Theology of Sanctification. Number three, the one, about, or the one about demons and Satan, which has been one of the most recent episodes. And I am excited to tell you all right now, a day ahead of time to whoever's listening to this right now, 
that coming in at number two is episode one, Welcome to My Seminary Life, which is quite fascinating to me that the first episode got beat out for the most downloaded episode. And actually, it not just got beaten out, it was it was a clear-cut winner who is the most downloaded episode of My Seminary Life. So, you have to find you get to find that out of course on the last Thursday of this month who is number 1. Who is our grand champion? You're the best around. Anyway, Anyway, so that's it on the analytical side, because so that was our fun game. Let's talk about now what have we been doing and where are we headed next? So this year we have done three classes. We have completed three classes: spiritual formation, systematic theology one, and of course, discipleship methods. Over the summer, we had a fake summer semester where we talked about some of the writings of C.S. Lewis, and we revisited some of my old sermons. That's what we've been doing this year, along and along with the classes that I uh, got credit for from my previous experience in seminary, I am halfway through my Master's of Arts in Ministry Studies. Hooray! Exciting stuff here. With that behind us, we can also say that, you know, we launched the show. That was the other big thing that happened this year. And we have two social medias. You can find it on Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. And of course, you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k. You can check me out on there, get life updates or more uh, faith based material over on TikTok specifically. So that's kind of what it's been like this past year. Looking forward into 2022, we got a couple cool things on the horizon. First off, I do believe the first class right off the bat is Systematic Theology Dose. So we're tackling the rest of Systematic Theology. I don't know what's coming up on the second half of the spring semester. I got to double check it. Based off of how the class or the schedule has been structured, it seems like they've been doing a very theologically savvy class and then more of a uh, interactive like class, like a more practically minded class to kind of balance out the two subjects in a semester. So I'm assuming it's going to be something similar to discipleship methods, but I, I just I just cannot plain remember. In the summertime, we will have at least one fake summer class. We do have one summer class on the horizon, but there is one. The first half of the summer semester is going to be a for fun filler conversation, which I do believe is going to be college stories. I'm going to tell stories from my college days because I love telling the Smashing Pumpkins story. Just going to leave it at that. Other things that we have coming up in 2022, there's, so I didn't want to make a big deal about it. I thought about posting about it, and I didn't, and I probably should have. Whatever, that's on me. Anchors the distribution for me, puts it out on a bunch of different places. And for a period of time, my seminary life was on Apple Podcasts that I still want to call iTunes. It It was on Apple Podcasts for maybe a couple months, actually. And then it got taken down off of there and a, several other platforms. And Anchor said that if you want these shows, if you want your show up on these platforms, you have to jump through like a couple hoops and then they'll manually distribute them for you, which is fine. I just haven't had the time to do that yet. And so one of the things that I plan on taking care of during this Christmas break and into the new year is jumping through those hoops, getting the shows, getting the show up on more platforms so we can, you know, get them get the stuff out more. Hopefully that will also give me access to more analytics so that way I can figure out a few more things about you people. But for the most part, that is that's kind of like the big goal going into 2022. The other big goal, and I'm excited to announce right here for the first time is that 
I will be launching a second show for my seminary life. It's going to be a mini-sode that is going to start dropping midweek. What I have realized is that with the the podcast coming out on Saturday, the first couple days right out the bat, get good streaming numbers, but during the second half of the week, it's a little slower. So the plan is is that we're gonna, I'm going to launch a mini-sode that's going to drop on Wednesdays to kind of keep the conversation going a little bit. What that show is going to be, well, you're just going to have to wait to find out in January. It's down to two options. I've got it narrowed down to two options, and all I have to do is send one email and get a response to determine which one it's going to be. But I'm excited for it. Be looking for it maybe mid-January. You'll know it when you see it. And I think that's it by way of looking forward to what we have coming on the horizon. Now, it's time to get cozy. Because it's a, this is a holiday party. And at a holiday party, it's good to reflect on the holidays. Maybe tell stories about the holidays. And I had a friend of mine, someone who likes the show, reach out to me. And they asked a question. And they asked it several times over. And they kept asking <laughs> if I would circle back to something that I posted a few weeks ago on Facebook and Instagram on the My Life tag. And it was about Hanukkah. So, Annie, if you're listening, this one is for you. Annie, a good friend of mine who also checks out the show and all the good stuff on there, wants to know, what's the deal with Hanukkah? And why do I celebrate, why do we celebrate, Claire and I celebrate Hanukkah? So, have a seat. I know this is... We're like days away from Christmas. You may even be listening to this as you're driving somewhere on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And Hanukkah this year was actually back right around Thanksgiving because it, much like the other Jewish holidays like Passover, it changes every year exactly when it falls on our calendars. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a moment to talk about Hanukkah because this is the first annual show. Who knows where I'm going to be at for the second annual show. It's time. Let's just go ahead and have the conversation. What is Hanukkah? And why do I celebrate Hanukkah? So let's just start there. Why do I celebrate Hanukkah? I was not raised in a Jewish household. I am not a Messianic Jew. Although we have determined in my family history, on my mother's side, there is some Polish Jewish blood running through our veins. So I guess you can kind of say it is for, for cultural reasons that we celebrate Hanukkah. But the real reason, like every clickbait article begins with, the real reason why I celebrate Hanukkah is because when I and my brothers were younger, my parents wanted to introduce into our lives a Jewish holiday that Jesus would have celebrated as a way to continue to lead us to Jesus. Lead us in following Jesus. And they settled on... Settled might not be the best word, but they picked Hanukkah because unlike... Other Jewish holidays that all have a sacrificial element, many other holidays that have sacrificial element to it, there is no sacrificial element in Hanukkah, which was important to my parents because we believe in the, in the sufficient sacrifice of Jesus. But also, as you begin to understand and study the story of Hanukkah, there's a lot of teachings that come out of it that we as Christians can align with as well. And so, with its placement, usually before or right during Christmas, growing up, it kind of functioned as our form of Advent. While, you know, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic churches have are doing their Advent candles and readings, we, we did Hanukkah. And when we were dating, Claire came over and we, you know, it was came over one night and it was time to light the menorah, which is the candlestick. And she was, like, really blown away by all of it. And she was actually the one who approached me when we were engaged, getting ready for marriage, and starting to talk about, like, what we wanted to see in our life. She was actually the one who brought it up first 
of wanting to continue this tradition. One caveat that we have in continuing this tradition, however, is that we we make a effort to study and to learn about celebrating Hanukkah. So that way we can celebrate it as um, authentically and with respect to the Jewish culture as possible. So that way we're not just two Christians hijacking another culture's holiday for our own benefit. We're celebrating the holiday to grow in our spiritual life and to also revere someone else's culture, if that makes sense. Hopefully it does. So every year I usually try to find a some reading material online. I've got a book on my Google Drive, some uh, my Google Drive that I flip through. I've tried to find good material to reflect on. Claire always gets on a Hanukkah hashtag on TikTok during the the Hanuk- during the eight nights of Hanukkah. So it's just we try to inform ourselves the best we can. So that's why we celebrate Hanukkah and why we continue to celebrate Hanukkah and why I'm excited that, oh my goodness, I'm just now realizing that in 2022 I get to celebrate Hanukkah with my son for the first time. Oh my gosh, I'm trying not to cry right now thinking about that. Little Cooper's going to celebrate Hanukkah for the first time next year. Oh my gosh. <sighs> okay, I'm alright. I'm okay. I'm okay. Now, I said something, now, if we were having this conversation face-to-face, I said something that people always ask a question about, and it's this, well, how do you know that Jesus celebrated Hanukkah? How do you, how do you know that? So it's one of those situations where you kind of have to read in between the lines a little bit. Hanukkah takes place during the intertestamental period. We'll talk more about that here in a second. About 160 years or so before Jesus's birth. And the command to celebrate the holiday comes from the rabbinic literature, the Talmud, which was written during that, like, 160-ish years, okay? So, by the time Jesus is on the scene and alive and an adult, it's a practice holiday in Judaism in Jerusalem at this point. And in John chapter 10, you get the one reference to Hanukkah, that is, talking about the Festival of Dedication. The Festival of Dedication. Jesus went up to Jerusalem during that time period. And it's a fascinating story. When Once you know what Hanukkah is all about and reading, about the, reading the context of that passage, the conversation that Jesus has with, some, with the Jews at that holiday, at that festival, knowing this context adds a layer of depth to the conversation. And check that out after this episode. It's again, John chapter 10. I believe it's just at the beginning. I'm going to quickly flip there while I continue to talk. So as I said, oh no, it's not John chapter 10. Oh no. No wait, here it is. I found it. John chapter 10, starting in verse 22 and onward. Check that out after the show. It will be interesting. I think it will be a benefit to you. So, where was I? Lost my train. Okay, so what is Hanukkah then, and at what point does this all take place? So the story of Hanukkah is in 1st and 2nd Maccabees, which is a part of the Apocrypha. For more detailed information on this part, go check out the episode, What is the Bible? It's back during the Systematic Theology 1 run. Um, Go check that out for a little bit more uh, in-depth talk about that. The short version is Protestants and those who practice Judaism do not consider the Apocrypha divinely inspired, but historical. These things did happen. The theology in these sections may not necessarily always line up with scripture, but they're historical. Okay? For an example, just to prove that this isn't all crazy, some of the material in the Apocrypha includes additional chapters to the book of Esther and short stories that involve Daniel. Okay? So, again, check that out sometime, especially Bell and the Dragon. Cool story. Anyway, first and second Maccabees take 
takes place during the intertestamental period, during that 400 years of silence where God is no longer speaking through his prophets and John the Baptist has not been born yet, or Jesus for that matter, but John the Baptist has not been born yet. A little bit of biblical context, Judah is taken captive by Babylon. Babylon is taken captive by Persia. Persia says, hey, you can go worship your God and build your temples and everything's fine and cool. Just don't start any wars and pay your taxes. That's when Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, those books start to unfold. Okay. Then during that time period is when Greece shows up. All right. Greece has a different, has a completely opposite approach. Under Alexander the Great, and then specifically through a, a king, a regional king called, named Artaxerxes, not Artaxerxes, um, now I'm gonna, oh, I've said Artaxerxes and now it's gone. Through a regional king, Antiochus, through the regional king Antiochus, they are enforcing what is known as now Hellenization. The Greeks take over, you think Greek, talk Greek, look Greek, the worship Greek, you do the whole thing Greek style. Which in the long run is a good thing. That's how we get the New Testament in Koine Greek of the local Greek, you know, the common Greek language and the gospel is able to spread quickly. So in the long run, it's a good thing. But when you're a Jewish follower of Yahweh and part of your, part of, not even just part of, but a huge portion of your religion revolves around what you wear, what you eat, taking a day off, and, you know, only worshiping Yahweh and not worshiping several other gods. When your whole religion revolves around that and you have Greece showing up saying, you do it our way or you die, there's a problem. And so there was there were conformists, there were... Jewish men and women who started conforming to the Greek way of doing things because the penalty was death. Until a priest named Matthias stood up and said, no more of this. No more of this, please. Okay? If you want to follow me and take back our worship, take back Jerusalem, join me. And we're going to get this started. So Matthias, his sons, and a small, basically militia, rises up to make war against Antiochus and the regional Greek army. Okay? So this is a big deal. And during these battles, one of Matthias' sons, his name is Judah, rises up as the leader of the group. And the group is known as... The Maccabees, or the Hammer. Judah Maccabee, the Hammer. It's really cool. And they go to war. They do this, like, guerrilla militia warfare. And sure enough, they take back Jerusalem against the Greeks. The problem is, though, they get to the temple, and it is just ransacked and desecrated. There are Greek idols everywhere. There was pigs slaughtered in, you know holy areas and on the altar and all it's gross and disgusting and along with all that the menorah the candlestick was about ready to go out now to us we're to us modern day americans we're looking at the idols and the pigs and thinking that's the big deal. That's the problem. Who cares about the lighting in the building? Like, who? the problem is the pig guts everywhere. Here's the thing. The menor there were menorahs all over the place to provide light in the temple. But there was one, and this is the one in question, that was supposed to stay eternally lit. It was an eternal flame to represent the presence of God in the temple. Now put yourself in Judah Maccabees and the rest of the soldiers' shoes. You are in captivity inception. You have been taken over so many times. You got the Greeks breathing down your back, threatening death if you do not conform to their way of life. 
You just have waged war to take back your desecrated temple. And the one thing that you have to remind you that God has not abandoned you is about ready to go out. And the miracle of Hanukkah, the beautiful part about Hanukkah, is that that menorah stayed lit eight nights. It did not have enough oil to stay lit, but it it stayed lit for eight nights. Night, which is how long it was going to take before they could get more oil. So you see now where Hanukkah connects in some of its teachings to Christianity and that we worship a God who works miracles. And not only that, we worship a God who does not abandon his people. That when the going gets tough and the darkness is setting in, God's people are not left in the dark. And what's also interesting, and I learned this this year, again, this is the benefit of like wanting to have a heart for knowledge. You know, part of this show is to help you all grow in your faith, both intellectually and experientially. One thing that I learned this year was that the reason why Judah Maccabee then goes and establishes this holiday isn't because of the miracle. The emphasis on the miracle actually doesn't come until the rabbi's teachings in the Talmud. The reason why Judah wants to start this holiday is because this whole nonsense with the Greeks started right before the festival of booths. And if you, that one is in the Bible, it is commanded by God to Moses. And the festival of booths is uh, a celebration of the harvest, but it is also a reminder of when The people of Israel were wandering the desert in tents. And they they build like these little structures to to hang out in. And what's really cool, and I don't, like maybe it's a stretch, but what I think is really cool is that the Feast of Booths was this holiday to remind the people of Israel in part that God preserves his people. God holds on to his people. God leads his people in the wilderness. And this second feast of booths, Hanukkah, as you know, Judah established, also serves as a reminder that in the wilderness, as they are in captivity inception, God is still there and moving them around. It's fascinating. I also enjoy, I, be, I read a lot of Messianic Jewish uh, teachings as well on Hanukkah, because Messianic Jewish uh, beliefs are that you it was it's a Jew a practicing Jew in Judaism comes to know Jesus as Messiah and now lives kind of in both worlds of you know Jewish by culture Christian by faith so it's kind of where the two bring together a little bit where I can kind of come in and they see a lot of symbolism in the menorah for Jesus especially where he says. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. The menorah itself has eight, has nine prongs, four on each side and one center one. That is the Shema. I apologize to anybody who is actually Jewish if I have butchered any of these words. Thank you for your patience with me. You take the servant candle and you light the other candles, one for each night. So on the first night, you get one candle. On the second night, you light two candles. And it's that main center candle that is a servant to the rest. And again, there's Messianic Jewish teachings of how that is very symbolic of Jesus as he comes down to us as a servant to light our way. Hanukkah is beautiful and rich in theology. Where Christmas can get very, I would say, uh, overwhelming (laughs) with all the stuff, Hanukkah, I don't know, it helps me, it's a holiday that helps me slow down, I would say. It helps me, it's it's obviously very theologically built, and so it's just very, it's a very reflective holiday. I would say it's more reflective naturally than Christmas is. And that just might be because Christmas is so commercialized. I don't know. 
So what do we do on Hanukkah? Well, we light the menorah, as I said, and we play dreidel. It's a spinning top game, and you can and you have like chocolate coins, and it's just a fun game. How, this is where some of the differences start to occur between Claire and I and my family, how we celebrate Hanukkah, and how someone who is actually Jewish would celebrate Hanukkah. There are some differences here. For example, I believe it is traditional that you're actually supposed to get eight nights worth of presents. Because we don't, because we don't do that. Okay, we don't do that. Because we celebrate Christmas, so we don't do eight nights worth of presents. Instead, we do one present at around $8 to try and still be relevant to this tradition. Normally, if you're Jewish, you eat kosher. But it is also customary that you have one big like family dinner party for Hanukkah. And so, during the week, we plan a kosher meal, or as kosher as we can possibly make it meal. This year, Claire made this delicious chicken. It was so good. Oh, anyway, you have, you have, uh, you know, some type of kosherly prepared meat, some form of a vegetable, latkes, which are potato pancakes that I could eat an entire, like, like, 40 of them if I really wanted to, and they're delicious. And because of kosher laws, even though we're Polish, you don't put sour cream on them. You put a little applesauce on top of it, like the sweet and salty. So good. Bonus points for the more stuff that you can... I shouldn't put it that way. Normally, you're supposed to fry as much things as possible with oil. Oil plays a very symbolic role, obviously, in Hanukkah, and so it's worked in into a lot of the Dishes that you prepare, like latkes. Um, and also another popular uh, item is deep fried donuts. So sometimes I will go to Dunkin' Donuts and get um, jelly donuts for me. And usually when we have this meal, we try to invite friends. Or this year my brother Bradley came over and we share this meal together. And it's just, it's, it's just... When we invite people over to partake in Hanukkah, again, it's this element of we're we're extending not just like here, enjoy another culture, but again, because Hanukkah is so reflective and so theologically built, it's a very restful, reflective time that especially during the middle of Christmas buzzingness, it's a good break from the hassle. Of like, hey, we're just going to chill for a bit. Other things that we try to do, well, obviously, it's not Hanukkah unless we watch the classic Disney Channel original movie, Full Court Miracle. Chef Kiss, that one's great. It's a wonderful film. There is also, normally within Jewish tradition, there is a psalm to read every day. And there is a psalm that is assigned to every holiday, including Hanukkah, and for the life of me, I always forget the reference, and I always have to look it up, and I forgot to do that. I'm such a bad person. I'm so sorry. Uh, I believe it's Psalm 30, though. Anyway, and that is usually something that we will do one of the night. Usually, we like to break these up over the course of the week, over the course of the eight nights, so that way there's something different on each night. So, Annie, there you go. That is Hanukkah. That is why we celebrate Hanukkah. And I hope that encourages you all. Hopefully. I hope that encourages you all. If not, I hope that was all very interesting to you all to get a taste of a different holiday, of a different culture. And who knows, maybe in the future we'll be able to have some of you over for Hanukkah dinner. Or maybe we'll do more on my seminary life next year for Hanukkah. Who knows? Time will tell. Okay. Well, this has been a lot of fun. But now it's time to hand out presents. That's right. You all are getting a present. Because for the first time in my seminary life history, we have a guest. That's right. You don't have to listen to me talk for the too much longer. Because we have a guest here with us this evening. All right, folks, so here it is, time for the big 
Christmas present to you all. The gift. A guest. You don't actually have to just listen to me for the next however long this takes. For the first time in my seminary life history, Claire Knight is joining us. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Is it weird just talking into my phone and assuming people are listening? Yes. Yeah, usually I just have to, like, pretend like I'm talking to people. So maybe that'll help you. I don't know if I can do that, but we'll we'll just go with it. You can always just look at me, too. Okay. <laughs> so we're having you here to talk about some of our Christmas traditions. We have many. We have Christmas date. Usually we pull out all of the Christmas records and listen to them over dinner or uh, while we're decorating. But we, we've changed up how we celebrate Christmas a little bit. Last year, our church celebrated Advent. This is the first time our church had did, uh, observed Advent. Claire, prior to doing Advent at our home church, what was your experience with Advent? Did you do that growing up at all? Um, I mean, we had like a little tree that we put an ornament on every day. But other than that, no like religious Advent practices yeah i uh say actually not even that we had a paper chain and we took a link down every day when it was getting close for each day to get closer to christmas but we didn't do anything like i didn't even know the candles like you're supposed to light the candles i didn't even know that that was part of advent but our home our home church did advent as a way to help everybody get ready for Christmas last year, obviously with the pandemic, it was just nuts the whole year. And this was a way to try and help everybody refocus their mind. Our church had a podcast at the time and there was daily readings that you could listen to. It was all very warm and fuzzy. And we got to light the candle one time. Do you remember that? We did. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. I have no idea what we, what we've read. Do you remember what we read about? I think it was the shepherd's candle. Actually. Really? Yes. I don't remember at all, honestly. I remember getting up there and saying, hi, we're the knights. Then we read some stuff, and then I lit a candle. I mean, that's what we did, yes. I just don't remember what we read. Anyway, so we did that, and then obviously Christmas looked a little bit different this or this past year, the actual Christmas day. And we were home, and we were watching It's a Wonderful Life. And I was emotional and getting all existential because if you're not doing those things after you watch It's a Wonderful Life, then did you really watch the movie? And I was getting all emotional and stuff. And partially it was because ever since I was in high school, I've always had this weird tension with Christmas. Um, I love it. I love Christmas. But all the investment, all the stuff that we do to get ready for it, including some of y'all who chop down living trees to shove inside of your house and decorate, like all the stuff that we go through to celebrate for Christmas. But then it's like, okay, it's December 26th, take it all down, bye. Like that's always just has not set well with me. I don't process things that quickly. And do you remember what you did when I was telling you all of this as I was laying on the floor in existential dread? No, but I probably made some sort of, I don't know. I don't remember. You actually, you actually were the one who got the ball rolling on this. I was like completely like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. And you like sat on your phone, which that part's normal. But you, you sat on your phone and you were like, well, why don't we just start observing the 12 days of Christmas? And I said, I thought that was just a silly song. I didn't realize that was something people actually did. Apparently, if you're actually Reformed, like Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, all those things, the 12 days of Christmas are a real thing. Epiphany is a real holiday. I did not know all of these things. Did you, like, know this stuff ahead of time? Or, like, do you know how you got to this idea? It was probably something I saw on TikTok, if I'm going to be honest. Oh, the power of TikTok. 
earlier I was telling everybody about Hanukkah and I mentioned how during the Hanukkah season you are usually on some form of Hanukkah t- hashtag during that time. So maybe you were just on an Advent and 12 Days of Christmas hashtag at that point too. So we kind of made it up as we went. We uh, looked up what each day is, and it's kind of cool. Did you enjoy enjoy doing the 12 Days of Christmas last year? Do you remember any of the stuff we talked about at all? Yeah, I remember, like, looking up the different, like, saints and stuff or, like, what each day represented, and that was kind of cool to learn, and it kind of just made it feel a bit more like meaningful like I feel like a lot of times like we can say oh yeah the reason for Christmas is about Jesus but like it never really felt like that but I felt like because we took time to actually celebrate Christmas for those 12 days and it wasn't about just opening presents and stuff like that, it kind of gave it a little bit more of a deeper meaning for me. So I liked that. And yeah. And I also liked singing the 12 days of Christmas song every day. That was fun. That was fun. (laughs) We can sing it to little Cooper here next year. It will be cute. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool when you pull back, like Advent is preparation for Christmas. So it's, Focusing on, you know, prophecies or different themes that come up in the Christmas story, peace, joy, um, the different characters. And then Christmas Day is obviously when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But then the 12 days focus all on, like you said, more of like a church history perspective of like, here's the saint of this and here's the saint of that. And it was cool, like... That's like the flow of the of the scriptures as well. It's like you have the preparation, the Old Testament pointing forward to Jesus. You have the arrival of Jesus, and then you have the outflow of the church from there. All packed into a month and a half-ish span. Now, obviously, you can get chocolate calendars. This year we have a Pokemon advent calendar, and it's been great. We got each other's favorite Pokemon. Um but like to truly celebrate Advent and Christmas and the 12 days of Christmas and Epiphany, it's helpful to have readings. And at Claire's suggestion, we got a book last year for this year. Do you remember how, you, how we uh, got this book? Um, I want to say there must have been something wrong with one of our cars last year that I had to take you to work in the mornings. And so we would listen to Moody because that's what you like listening to. And they were talking about this book in the morning. They had the people who compiled this book in like in for like an interview. And it was just talking about like where all of these old Christmas carols and hymns came from and their history. And I like, educational things like that I'm just kind of a nerd so I was like hey this sounds like a really cool book to get and it's kind of cool because it's one every day and yeah I don't know I just remember thinking it was cool and being like hey we should get this next year so backing up a bit, first off, you are on the correct show if you're a nerd that likes to learn. This is literally a show about being in seminary. Second, I think you're totally right. I believe one of our cars was in the shop because I don't know why else you would be. It's totally believable that our car was in the one of the cars was in the shop. I don't know why. After the debacle of this summer, I've totally spaced all the other reasons why our car would be in the shop. Um <laughs> But so yeah, we were on our. You're, yeah, you're right. We were on our way to work. You're dropping me off. Carl and crew was talking about this book, and it was funny because sometimes when you want to make a purchase, you communicate that. You know, we communicate when we want to make like a specific purpose for the household. But with this, it was a little bit more of a. Hey, I'm buying this, just so you know. What is the name of this book? And can you uh, maybe, what is the name of the book? Who are the authors? And again, what is going on here? 
Uh, it's called Hosanna in Excelsis. They told us in the book how you really say that word, but I forgot. Um, it's by, or well, it's compiled by David and Barbara Lehman. Um, and basically what it does, I believe it starts November 25th for Advent, and it does some, uh, it, like, has a hymn each day about, um, and it starts with, like, it starts with Advent, and so they're more, like, Advent and, like, hopeful songs and songs about, like, Christ arriving, and then it moves into, I don't remember what it was, like, the Nativity or whatever, and it kind of goes with a song each day more about, like the traditional Christmas story, I guess you could say, with the angels and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and all that fun stuff. Um, and then I believe after December 25th, it goes into um, Epiphany. So there's actually songs that are more geared towards um, Epiphany. So that's pretty cool. So it takes you one hymn a day, from the beginning of Advent all the way to the end of the 12 days of Christmas, which would be January 6th, which is when Epiphany is. So, yeah. And each day, the uh, there's a song, obviously. So we've been pulling them up on Spotify or on YouTube to listen to them because there's been quite a few that we had no idea, we had never heard of. There was one we could not find. We couldn't find it anywhere. I don't remember which one it was, but I think it was for ages women hoped and prayed. Didn't exist. Doesn't exist. Yeah. No, we had trouble finding that one. <laughs> uh, so we listened to the song, and then the uh, devotional side is broken up into three sections. First, it tells you about the person who wrote it, um, a little bit of a bio on them, and maybe the inspiration behind how they wrote the song or why they wrote the song. Then it's the music section like the person who wrote the melody to the song which i have just found fascinating because there's been so many times where it's like this is a melody and here's the lyrics and at some point someone said i guess we should put these two together and then the third paragraph or the third section it brings all of this together into one devotional thought has there been any Songs that have really stood out to you or anything that you have learned along the way that you would like to share with everybody? Um, I liked the song, oh gosh, what is it called? Like, All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. Mm -hmm. I liked that one. That was a new one that I had never heard before that I just liked the words. Um, I know we, I can't remember which song it was, but it was like, this is the oldest recorded like Christmas hymn or something like that and I was like I didn't even know we knew about hymns that old um and then of course the other day we did my favorite Christmas hymn which is Hark the Herald Angels Sing and I learned that Hark the Herald Angels Sing Glory to the Newborn King is not even the original first line of the song would you like to read the original first line for the song uh, it says, hark how all the welkin rings, glory to the king of kings. And who the heck knows what welkin means? I mean, it tells you that it means the sky or heaven or something, but we don't know what that means. And the reason why it got changed, wasn't it because, was it Charles or John Wesley who wrote it? It should say right up Charles here. Wesley. It was Charles Wesley who wrote it. But George Whitfield changed it because he thought the other way sounded better, and Charles was not happy about that yeah. at all. I believe the oldest one, I think that was Angels We Have Heard on High, that it's so old, no one actually knows who wrote it. That's how old that Angels We Have Heard on High is. I think it was that one. No, no, no. The oldest liturgy developed for use of the church is let, let all mortal flesh keep silence. It was that one. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Maybe Angels We Have Heard on High. It was just that nobody knows who actually wrote it yes. then. But it's let all mortal flesh. Keep silent. Let all mortal flesh keep silent is the oldest one. Gotcha. I also really enjoyed. Um, oh, what was the one? We just did it the other night now. Um. 
Now I have to look over her shoulder and read. Um, wait. It came upon a midnight clear. I thought that one was really interesting because there's like a lot of debate on this song. Like, oh, yeah. There was, there was a, there's a lot of debate. There's a debate on if it's midnight, like 12 midnight, or if it's the middle of the night, like what is supposed to be understood there. There's debate on whether or not the author was actually even a Christian or not, even though he was like a pastor. It's actually more of like an anti-war, anti-slavery song. It's, it's, yeah, that was probably the most fascinating one for me as well. Mm-hmm. Any others you would like to share? I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. So one thing that we have talked about, we also did a Lent reading earlier this year. We did From the Grave by A.W. Tozer. And we've talked about how maybe we'll reread these again next year before purchasing another one. Mm -hmm. There are, I've looked, and there's not a lot, at least that I can find by way of Lent readings. They're all like, there's not that many that initially come up. There's one that's called 40 words. I think it's like a different word. You're supposed to meditate on each day, but for Christmas readings, there's like thousands of books written every Christmas. It seems like for Advent Christmas readings, is there anything in future years that you would like to get to read given the option? I don't know. I guess I haven't really looked into it that much yet I mean I would like to get more books just to kind of have some that we can cycle through so we're not reading the same thing every year so we can be learning new things and be catching up or refreshing on different things I don't know if I necessarily want to buy a new book every year because I'm don't want to spend all that money but I'm I would like to get like a good collection okay yeah we have a mutual friend he is one of my clients at work and also technically works at the same bank as claire does and he does uh, he's a presbyterian i believe and he gets a new book every year and the one he's reading we talked about a little bit it is written by a methodist pastor on the grinch and it's like how to prepare for Christmas during Advent when you're kind of feeling and acting like the Grinch and how to work through that time. So that might be an interesting one to read. Your brother Dan has also told me that Sinclair Ferguson has a Christmas uh, devotional book that I might want to read because he's one of my favorite preachers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's all that we have. Uh, that's all I wanted to talk about. So thank you for being here. Is there any final things you would like to tell everybody? I don't know. I don't think so. Merry Christmas. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Merry Christmas. I figured we would save that for like, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. This is why I'm only a guest on podcasts and why I don't have my own podcast because I can't do this (laughs) well we'll have you back maybe we'll have you back at like lent or something to talk about the other book okay cool well again thank you to all of you who have come out for the my seminary life holiday party i hope you enjoyed the analytics the looking forward the hanukkah segment of our holiday party and again thank you to claire for dropping in i hope you enjoyed your print of hearing a little bit about what something we've been doing this year to celebrate the christmas season and get our minds focused on jesus during this season but again thank you all of you for checking out the show for taking a shot on me Uh, I'm going to enjoy my next few weeks of not having to record any episodes, I'm going to be honest, especially since this Saturday's Christmas. Man, that would have been a bummer to have to record an episode on Christmas. I'm going to be quite honest about that. But I look forward to hearing from you all moving into the next year. As always, you can talk to me. You can drop into the show's DMs on Facebook and Instagram. You can leave a voice memo. 
on Anchor, whatever you want. I'm going to try, I think part of jumping through all these hoops to get my show on other platforms is setting up an official email so you can email the show as well. I'll let you know when that happens, if that happens. And we're looking forward to March. Because not only is the Batman coming out, and not only is it my birthday and I'm planning Batman Palooza that month, true story, but it's going to be the one-year anniversary of my seminary life. So we'll have to do a thing for that as well. But thank you to all of you again. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you as you move into this next year. Blessings to you all. And remember, keep on studying.